So we've been looking at Psalms 51 on Sunday mornings, and I'll go back there uh, again this morning. And uh, the, the Psalms, as you well know, is just full of blessings for us as the Lord reveals it to us, and Psalms 51 is no different, of course. So Psalms 51 and We'll start in verse 10 today, but let's, let's read up to that. Let's go back to verse 1 and work our way up to, to verse 10. Psalm 51, just start in verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. So we, we talked about this, I think, a, a couple of times. But he starts out this psalm, have mercy on me, blot out my transgressions. We talked about that. And I mentioned, and uh, one of the brethren was talking about uh, Psalms 136. Every verse in there ends with, for his mercy endureth forever. And I've told you a story, and I'm just going to tell it again. As Brother Olson was teaching on that chapter on Wednesday nights out in the old building, uh, he might only get two or three verses in, in a week, and then next week, two or three verses or something. But every time he read the entire Psalms 136, and he read it with gusto. And, uh, but if you think about it, and you think about his mercy, and, and the thing that it drives home is it endures forever. The world doesn't see that. They talk about mercy, but oh, one second you can be going to lake of fire. Well, not, not if uh, his mercy is upon you. So what a blessing it is that he has mercy on his, doesn't have mercy on all. Uh, and some people has that impression or wants to think that. Did he have mercy on... Uh, Pharaoh's army, as they went through the Red Sea, he didn't have any mercy on them. And when they went in uh, to the, the land, they were supposed to kill, Israel was supposed to kill every man, woman, and child, and suckling. And it's not, it's not fun to think about, but that's what he told them to do. Uh, but did he have mercy on them? Well, no. He has mercy on who he will and who he won't. He doesn't. I, by God's grace, am not going to enter into judgment with him. Now, without his grace, I'll be like the rest of the world. Well, that's not fair. But he, uh, by God's grace, he teaches us that he is a creator and he can do with his own as it pleases him. Are we going to understand everything? <laughs> Certainly not. Are we... I, are we going to understand everything about God? Uh, and again, certainly not. And I, I say this, and I've said this many times, T to me, this kind of helps me whenever I maybe get frustrated or I don't understand this about God or something, or why did God do this, or why did God do that? And uh, maybe uh, we... Uh, get a little frustrated that we don't understand. And I, I look back to something that happened in my childhood. I was uh, six years old, I believe, 
and uh, we moved to Waterloo and uh, right beside of the old general store and in my mind I can still smell the smells <laughs> in that store but anyway I, I've told you a story and I'll try to hurry through it this time but my mom gave me a dollar and I don't know what the equivalent of that is now uh, I don't know but anyway <laughs> to a six-year-old it was a lot of money then and uh, whatever it's equivalent to now but anyway I suppose I was supposed to save that dollar and put it in a piggy bank, but I didn't. I went straight to that store over there, and I laid the dollar down there, and I said, okay, give me this. This is all candy, of course. This, 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 and, oh, do I have any money? Yeah, you can get some more. And well, how about this, this, and I came out with a big sack uh, of candy. And I was happy. My mama gave me a dollar, and I got all this candy, and I was happy. So I went uh, home, and I wasn't trying to hide it. didn't know that wasn't a good thing that I did and I probably would have eaten the whole sack of candy at once probably uh, and I, I can still see it in my mind she took the sack of candy and just set it up on top of the refrigerator I couldn't reach it up there and I didn't really pass judgment but I thought I did ask well, or to myself well why well I wasn't going to understand that her understanding was greater than mine, and did she do something wrong? No, but as a six-year-old, you might feel that. Well, that's mine, you gave me that. So how much higher is God's wisdom than ours? I mean, so uh, we don't, enter, by God's grace, we don't enter into judgment. We uh, trust, and, and as Buddy and I was talking, we have faith in, uh, in that he knows what he's doing so but mercy never forget his mercy and it endureth forever verse 2 and the psalmist then says wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin we talked about that being washed because job says i can't wash myself i wash myself with snow make my hands never so clean yet thou shalt plunge me in a ditch my own clothes will abhor me so he's asking that the Lord would wash him. He said, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before thee. Nothing's hidden from the eyes of God. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. He says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So he's acknowledging there he was a sinner from birth, we have Adam and sinful blood. Many uh, in the religious world overlook that. Uh, six, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me uh, know uh, knowledge. And uh, that's the only way you'll know knowledge is he make you. Now, he may use study. He may use fellowship for us to do this, but he still makes you. And uh, my Uncle Earl, the, uh, I think we had the best fellowship at all the last few years. And every time there'd be something that we, we see, you know, it's not, it's not anything new, but we'll see something in a different verse that we hadn't seen before and we'd be talking about it. And he says, it's by revelation. We can't discover one thing in here. It's all by revelation. He reveals it to us. 
That, so that's why we have thanksgiving to him. We offer our, our thanksgiving, our gratitude to him because uh, it's all of him. He, he makes us know wisdom. He gives us understanding. And then verse 7, uh, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And again, he's talking about that cleansing. If the Lord would wash, if we wash ourselves, well, Job told us what the results of that would be, but ask for him to wash us. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. And we talked about that. It wasn't talking about literal bones. If you look it up in the Hebrew, it's talking about our strength and our might. And uh, again, make me hear joy when thou uh, breakest these bones. And I think that is when we do rejoice is when we see he breaks our strength, calls us to see we're nothing. We couldn't do anything. We're all dependent upon him. So uh, we, uh, he does make us hear joy whenever we see it's the Father's plan through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit reveals this unto us, and then we have joy realizing that it's of him. You all have talked to people, and I have talked to people. And again, I give this uh, example a lot as well. Talking to this lady one time, I was doing some work for them, building a building, and she would kind of come out there early, and I'd be there before everybody else, and we would talk and begin to talk about scriptures and things. And, and she said, well, she said, used to, I never doubted my salvation, but now I do. So stop and think about that for a minute. If you doubt your salvation, then you're thinking, I could spend eternity in the lake of fire. Now, I felt that way once, and I thought about the lake of fire. I didn't want to, but the more I thought about it, or more I tried not to think about it, the more I thought about it. But uh, as we look at that, uh, and we have, and we, well, I told her, I said, well, there's only one reason you would doubt your salvation. And Chuck, she, she had a whole list of things why she doubted her salvation. And I said, no, there's only one reason. I said, you're looking at yourself and not looking at Christ. Is Christ going to fail? No. There's a joy. Of our, there's a joy. Uh, we have no doubts when we're looking at Christ. Uh, Nine, hide thy face in my sins and blot out all my iniquities. So we asked last week, is there some place that God can't see? Well, yes. By his design, yes. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Doesn't see our sins. And that goes back to through mercy. Okay, now verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. So why does he ask for a new heart, a, a clean heart? What's wrong with the heart we have? You understand we're not talking about that thing in there that pumps blood, but it's talking about our, uh, our mind and our thoughts and our soul and things like that. And he says, 
uh, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. So the psalmist was aware that he didn't have a clean heart. Are you? Are you aware that we don't have a clean heart? Jeremiah uh, said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? All mine wasn't. <laughs> yes, yes, ours all is. That's ours. Our heart is deceitful above all things. And this is not deceitful. It's hidden. It's a deceitful thing. It's hidden. It's not out in the open. So we can hear people on television, you can read after people, that how much they love God and so forth, but it's deceitful because what they end up doing is, is, is blaspheming. It's telling evil about God. Now they don't realize it and most of the world doesn't realize it. And I keep going back to these other examples, but like the lady told me one time, she said, honey, she says, the Lord's done all he can do. The rest is up to the people to do. So what she's really saying is the Lord failed. He's done all he can do, but that's not enough. They still have to do more. That's deceitful. That's our old heart. What we must do or should do or something along that nature. Uh, and then they tell you, oh, let your heart be your guide. Well, when he gives us that clean heart, okay, but not our heart. Uh, and that's really what the, the psalmist is really asking. Heart that would look to God and not trust in man. That's really what he's asking. Uh, create within me a clean heart. A heart that would look at God, not a heart that would try to lift man up to God and bring God. And, and I think somebody read the Psalms uh, uh, recently. It's it's like they try to they try to overthrow him. Well, it's not they don't have bows and arrows and things try to overthrow God and bring us down from excellency that way. But it is like a coup attempt. But they. How do they do that? How do they bring God down from his excellency? How do they even try to do that? Well, God is, is uh, the most high. He's up there on a throne, okay? And they'll say man has free will. Man, it's up to man to make a choice or a decision. So they bring man up. At the same time, they're bringing God down. He's done all he can do. Therefore, they remove him from his throne in their minds and in their teaching and in their belief. So uh, certainly we want this new heart that would look to God and not look to man because it's deceitful and it's desperately wicked. Verse 11, Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Cast me not away, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. 
you know, in the Old Testament, God would give certain men the Holy Spirit. And then he would take that spirit away from them sometimes. Sometimes it didn't. They, they, they died. But sometimes, and even King Saul, he took the Holy Spirit away from him. No communication with God. The different prophets and the priests, the Holy Spirit would come and it would go. There would be times, I think, when they were, uh, uh, Samuel was given into the priesthood and said the, the word was very rare at that time. The Holy Spirit wasn't with them. And then, of course, it was given to, to Samuel. But what I want us to see out of this is how blessed we are in the church age. Church age, he's not going, and we'll read, we'll read that. But he's not going to take the Holy Spirit away. He promised. Now let's go to John chapter fourteen, Gospel John chapter fourteen. And uh, as I was looking at this, I don't know. Uh, I was really blessed through our study through the Gospel of John, what's it been a year or so ago, and we went verse by verse through that. And I was really blessed as we worked our way up all the way through the Gospel of John. In uh, chapter 14, and we know this is talking about the Holy Spirit, the comfort, the spirit of truth. It has different names. But as we read this, I, I want us to see the value of it. I want us to see the importance of it. And then being grateful that he won't remove it. He promised he wouldn't. So John 14 and verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter. The Lord Jesus Christ was the first comforter when he was here. He says, I'll pray and he'll send you another comforter. That he may abide with you until you do something bad. To eat a whole bag of candy instead of just, oh, I've got to stop and taste this again. And I, I shouldn't do this, but it hit my mind so hard. So I've told a lot of people about that story. In fact, this gentleman, he assembled with us a couple of years here, and I worked with him and everything. And he had heard me tell that story about the whole bag of candy and mom's wisdom was higher than mine and everything and how much higher God's wisdom is than ours. And we stopped at a speedway uh, up in Galapagos to get gas. Well, I went in. And they had candy bars on sale, and they was three for something. Well, I can't, can't pass up bargains, right? They were supposed to last me for a while. So what did he say? Something like, well, I see you didn't learn much from what your mother taught you, and she put that bag of candy up on top of the refrigerator. So sorry about that. I just couldn't, couldn't resist. But uh, so it says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So he may abide with you forever. Again, if you get a chance, read Psalms 136 again. And, and just every verse, and, and I can still remember as Austin read that Clara May, and he, with gusto, he said, for his mercy endureth forever. And, and I hope that each of us go away from here today, and, and in your daily lives, that you're 
that grateful for his mercy endureth forever. Think about where you'd be without his mercy. So that he may abide with you forever. His mercy endureth forever. And his, well, I'll read on 17. Even the spirit of truth. So he calls it comforter. Now he calls it spirit of truth. Same thing. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. The world cannot receive it, because it seeth him not, and neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. So what this is saying, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, it's in you as a body of Christ. He's with you as a member of that body. I remember there was a conference one time, there's a certain uh, church, and they were saying that uh, the only time you're led by the Holy Spirit is when you're all assembled together as a body. If one person's not there, the body's not assembled, not led by the Holy Spirit. I guess it's good for church attendance to preach things like that, maybe. I said, well, we got a problem then. I said, if that's the case, whenever I'm at home studying and preparing a lesson, if I'm not led by the Holy Spirit, there's only one thing left, the flesh. And then he said, well... They always have this plan B when their plan A falls apart. But he said, but he gives us a, a measure of faith. And I thought, the Apostle Paul had a must have had really a measure of faith. How, how often was he assembled with his true body? You know, he went out on all the missionary journeys. He wasn't physically assembled with his body. And nothing, I want us to assemble together. Don't get me wrong. But... Uh, the world can't receive it, seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Again, he's in us as a body, as a church, the body of Christ. He's with you as a member of that body. When you go out, still led by the Holy Spirit as you study, as maybe you witness to other people, uh, still led by this Holy Spirit. And verse uh, 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Can we trust in his promise? I will not leave you comfortless. We could talk a lot about those scriptures. There's this scripture, uh, I will not leave you comfortless. And then another scripture says, I'll remove the candlestick from its place. And no, it doesn't contradict itself. And I won't go into that this morning. Uh, if somebody wants to talk about it, it will, but it's not contradicting itself at all. Uh, and then, uh, well, let's go over to verse 26. But the comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I've said unto you. So, any understanding 
that we have about God, about the scriptures, is because he, third part of the Godhead, Holy Spirit, Comforter, teaches us. And again, I'll go back to what my Uncle Earl said. By revelation, that's the only way you'll understand anything. People, and you folks know this as well, you can read a, a verse, be such a blessing, and somebody else read it, nothing. It's because of the Holy Spirit leadership. Uh, let's read a couple more in, in the here. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You say, did, did he leave us peace? Do we have peace in the world today? Well, as we look at the earthly part of it, it's, it's wars always everywhere. Uh, but it's not that peace. Peace of the salvation of your soul. I mean, there's nothing more important, is there, to us the eternal, our eternal soul, eternal salvation of our soul, and we have peace when he causes us to look to him. We looked ourselves, just like the lady said, well, used to, I didn't doubt my salvation, but now I do. Why? She was looking to her, and she was a, a wonderful person as far as I knew, but she was looking to herself instead of the Lord and his plan of salvation. Uh, verse 28, you have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I, I go to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. What's he telling him is going to come to pass? This comfort is going to come. On the day of Pentecost, he says, I'm telling you before it comes to pass. I'm going to go away, and I'll pray to the Father. He's going to send you another comforter. And uh, he said, I'm telling you when it comes to pass that you might believe. Uh, Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince uh, of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, Arise and let us go from here. I have a feeling that uh, arise and let us go from here uh, carries farther than what just did in their physical location. Here is one day those words arise. We'll either go to meet him, his sheep will go to meet him through the grave or through the rapture as he calls us up to meet him in the clouds of the air. Arise. One place, uh, I think it's Song of Solomon's, he said, uh, 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 come away, uh, can't remember how it goes now, but anyway, he says, until this indignation be passed. And for the bride, there is coming a great tribulation. His bride won't go through that. He's going to call her away. And we can even read in scenes of glory during this period of time, that's when the marriage of the land takes place. Uh, but she won't go through the great tribulation. She'll arise, be uh, take, taken out. Okay, uh, now in chapter 15. So we're still talking about this. Uh, it says, I, I, won't, I won't take the spirit away from you. So just in the church age, 
I want us to be so grateful. I've, I've made a statement before, and this is my opinion. I think we live in the greatest age where most blessed people uh, on the face of the earth. And sometimes I used to think, boy, it would be wonderful to walk with the Lord back then. Well, yes, part of me, yes. But uh, they didn't have a Wendy's along the way, you know. Uh, the bread that they would take with them and everything, I don't know. And, and, but walking, you know, everywhere, uh, all the, the persecution that they had, uh, yes, I'd love to walk with the Lord, but we can walk with the Lord today, don't we? Walk with him by faith. Got air conditioning, got heating in our homes, in our cars. We've got food to eat. Uh, we're not, per now we're talked about. Now <laughs> they'll talk about you, but we're not persecuted in this day and age right now. So be grateful for that as well. Uh, okay, uh, chapter 15, and uh, I've got long. Let's go all the way over to verse 26. Still talking about that spirit that he, he uh, won't take it away. But when the comforter has come, that's that comforter, that spirit of truth, that Jesus, he was the first comforter. He's going to send us the other one back whenever he goes to the Father. But when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, who proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Can you find anything else in Scripture that can do that? If we're not led by the Spirit, we're not, well, the Spirit testifies of Jesus. Without it, we're not. And you say, well, all the, Churches, the so-called churches, must have the Spirit in because they're testifying of Jesus. Really? They're testifying of man. They'll talk about Jesus, how much they love Jesus. But then they'll turn around and say, well, if you want to get to heaven, and hell and I quote this a lot, you and I talked about it, you better turn over a new leaf. And he said, that leaf just dirty on the other side. So, what are they saying? If you get to heaven, you take the first step, you pray through, you make the right choice, you turn over a new leaf, you hold on faithfully to the end. These people say how much they love Jesus, what are they really saying? He died for no reason at all. Must have been a fool. He died to save my soul, yet I'm going to get there this way? Not led by the Spirit. Uh... Uh, 16, chapter 16, and uh, verse 7. Again, I, I just, I, I know you folks know this and love this, but I want us to be appreciative because he says, you know, take not the Holy Spirit away. In the Old Testament, they did. But here, what we have. So, uh, uh, John 16, verse 7. And let me stop, pause again just for a moment. As we studied this, book of John on a year or two ago whenever it was went verse by verse and we worked our way up through there we saw the persecutions and the different things and then we got to this place really the 13th 14th 15th 16th chapters uh, you didn't have people coming uh, you know 
heal this person, raise this person from the dead, and I'm not, those aren't bad things. But this is where he took his disciples aside, privately. And I don't know how long or whatever, but he took them aside and began to talk to them. This is a very uh, intimate time with him and his disciples. And, and I want you to feel that way as, as well because he's talking to you. He's talking to us. So uh, now, again, a quiet time. He's talking to his disciples. He's telling them, that, hey, I'm going to go away. And, of course, they were sad with this. They thought, no, this is our king who's going to save Israel and so forth and get us out from underneath this Roman government and everything. He said, I'm going to go away. And uh, in verse 7, he tells them, and it's good for you that I go away. So 16, verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Is it important to you that you're led by the comforter? He's told us, well, down verse 12, reading on. I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Nevertheless, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Is there anything else that will guide you into all truth? Well, my heart, well, (laughs) no, don't trust in that. Nevertheless, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Not speak of himself. Our Lord Jesus Christ says, this, this comforter that I'm, that I'm going to send, he won't speak of himself. He won't glorify himself. Well, who's this comforter? The spirit of truth, uh, invisible, by the way. Who's he going to lift up? Well, verse 14. He shall glorify me. It's not he's going to glorify man. That should tell you if you're surfing through television channels, are they glorifying man or are they glorifying the Lord? You can tell pretty quick. They're not led to the Spirit. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So this is that spirit of truth that he said, it's expedient for you that I go away. So he was going to be crucified, be resurrected, go away. He was going to send back the comforter to his body, to his church. And it's passed down uh, still to this day and age from one church to another. Uh, there's not a second Pentecost. There's only one. And there's this... Uh, discussions on that well there's only one Pentecost whenever he said it sent it uh, but it'll lead God and direct into all truth it won't glorify himself it'll glorify the Lord uh, bring things to our remembrance teach lead and then what our lesson says our lesson said that uh, Oh, don't take the Holy Spirit away. 
but we see his promise, I won't leave you comfortless, he says to his church. He's not saying to the whole world without exception, because they don't have it. Everyone's not going to receive it, just the ones that he wants to. So he says, I won't, uh, I won't leave you comfortless. So on the day of Pentecost, he sent the comforter to his church, his body, and there it remains to this day, and will remain until he takes the church out. He will not leave them comfortless. And he'll take his church out. Then we have, and I think my opinion is immediately after that, this is when the Great Tribulation period starts. But that's, that's my opinion on that. I know it's after that. How soon after? I think it's immediately. But, but he prayed that, uh, that we'd receive the comforter and he won't uh, take it away. But in our text, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So we have a promise. I won't leave you comfortless. Should we be grateful for that? Absolutely. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.